listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 56 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Justin Schwartz and I'm alongside Liam Baum. And we're out here doing another mock draft. This time we're going to make it relatively quick. We say this every time, but we're going to actually try and make it a 30-minute episode today. We're going to rip through these mock drafts because, funny enough, since two episodes ago when we recorded our mock draft, a lot has changed in terms of where we have players going, depending on a lot of news, trades, you know, trading a pick to, to move up. It's just all been a little bit crazy over the last 24 to 48 hours. So we're going to run through a couple of the trades that went down today. We're going to keep it really brief because I think we're going to actually go into into depth a little bit more on these trades at some point, you know, down the road when things cool down a little bit. But we're going to cover them quickly and then we'll get into our mock drafts. We'll give pick for pick. And yeah, so we'll keep it nice and short today. So let's start out with the obvious one. And no, I'm not talking about the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. I'm talking about the Alex Newhook trade. So the Montreal Canadiens acquire Alex Newhook from the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for the 31st overall pick in the 20 in the 2023 draft, the 37th overall pick in the 2023 draft, which is a second round pick, by the way, and Yanni Fairbrother. Liam, initial thoughts, reactions. What does this move mean for the Montreal Canadiens moving forward? Yeah, so initially I saw the trade and I wouldn't say I was so surprised, but, you know, it kind of stunned me because... You know, I think the Habs have already a lot of centers and, you know, uh, Alex Newhook plays center. So acquiring another one was a bit of a, you know, kind of kind of a surprise. But, uh, you know, it could work out really well. Like we traded a 31st overall pick, a 37th overall pick and uh, a prospect. All those players, let's say we drafted with them probably wouldn't be ready for another two to three years, whereas Alex Newhook is already already won a Stanley Cup. He's in the NHL. And, uh, you know, it seems like Kent Hughes wants to speed up the rebuild. So I think it could really uh, work out for the future for the Habs. And who knows? I'm not exactly sure where he'll be playing next season uh, on what line. But, yeah, that, that's those are my initial thoughts. What about you? I think that right away I was kind of, no, I'm, I won't say in the middle because I think I was leaning more towards the Montreal Canadiens side to say, well, it makes a lot of sense from our perspective considering that GM Ken Hughes wanted to go out and make a trade that was very similar to the Kirby Doc trade. And yes, you know, the compensation was different and, you know, the circumstances were different. But I think that the mindset and the motivation for this team going forward still stands. And it's to try and build this team one building block at a time and to have players that are all growing up at the same time, all getting better together and all going to be ready to compete at the same time. And I think that, you know, you're looking at a core of Suzuki and Caulfield sprinkled in with Slavkovsky, Kirby Doc, now Alex Newhook. And then you have the other guys like the Josh Andersons, the Monahans, and so on and so forth. So this team is, there's not a lot of disparity in terms of age. And I think in terms of skill set either. So I think where this team is trying to go, it makes a ton of sense. Now, I think that we can both agree on the fact that, well, you know, giving them a 31st overall pick and a 37th overall pick might not be the best, especially in a draft like this, which is so deep 
And considering that Montreal last, uh, last summer had a lot of luck, I mean, we don't know for a fact yet, but had a lot of luck picking in the later rounds, whether it was Owen Beck or Lane Hudson, or even back in 20, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but 2020 when they picked Logan Mayu, they've had a lot of luck drafting the, these players. So it's a little bit of a, a gray area in terms of, well, will this compensation pan out and will, will this work for Montreal? But I think for what they're going for at this point in time, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm glad we picked up a guy who's NHL ready. And, you know, I saw something today that said you want your core to all grow up together as a team and reach that certain age where they're ready to compete. And I think acquiring a 22-year-old is uh, a great way to do it with Caulfield, who's, I believe, 21, 20 year, 21 years old, maybe 22, 22, 22, and Suzuki, who, again, is right around that age. So I, I think it's it's going to be very uh, very exciting to see. Yeah, and again, we'll just wrap it up on this because I said we'll keep it brief, but New Hook is also very versatile. I think that he can play the wing if if need be. And again, let's not forget that in Colorado, his role wasn't necessarily wasn't necessarily where it needed to be for a guy who for an up and coming player who has as much skill as he does. Right? He was never playing top power play minutes, considering the guys that are on that power play. He was given the line two role in his second season, but that didn't really work out, considering you know it's it, it's a, it was a big jump from his rookie season. So I think that you know now you're going to take a guy that has immense skill and put him on a team with a lot of guys that have stuff to prove. And hopefully that he can flourish in an environment under Martin St. Louis. So we'll see how that goes. And let's shift right away, right away to another versatile forward in Pierre-Luc Dubois. And there was a t- and the reason that we're bringing this up, honestly, is because there was a ton of speculation around Pierre-Luc Dubois landing in Montreal this offseason. Especially through a sign-and-trade or th- Montreal waiting it out and actually signing him once he becomes a UFA next summer. But the LA Kings jumped the gun. They sent over... Um, I sent over a, we'll call it a, a pretty big package to um, to the wa- uh, Washington, to the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for Pierre-Luc Dubois' rights. Or actually, sorry, they they signed him first and then traded him away. So they got they got their guy in Pierre-Luc Dubois, a very very good center core in LA now. What are your thoughts on that trade? Did they give up too much? Did they not give up enough? I'm talking about Winnipeg here. What do you think about the AAV on that contract? Just give me a few initial thoughts there. Yeah, so I think it was a pretty even trade on both sides. Um, LA did give up some depth, and I like Ayafalo and Velarde, but they weren't the most outstanding players and the type of player Dubois could or kind of is right now. But uh, just from a has perspective, I wasn't too disappointed after I saw the contract he signed because honestly, I don't think Dubois is worth $8.5 million. He's... 25 years old and has never had a season over 63 points, which is the season he had this past year. And uh, yeah, honestly, I wouldn't say Kent Hughes made a poor decision in not going harder after him and not offering him a more lucrative contract. So honestly, I'm happy for the Kings because they get their center for the foreseeable future and when Kopitar goes out. But yeah, just as a point of view from the Habs, as a Habs fan... I'm not too disappointed since he signed eight and a half million, which I don't think the Habs could really afford for the future. Yeah, no, I'm in I'm in agreement there. And the truth is, is that I don't even think it's a question about affording a contract like Pierre, for Pierre Luc Dubois. I think it's about maintaining your your base and staying strong to your core values and to the the brass's core values. And if you look at it, 
we noticed right off the bat, and I this was the the episode when you know we first kind of came back. I talked right right off the bat about Cole Caulfield's contract getting signed for just under eight million dollars a year for eight years, and Cole, and uh, Nick Suzuki being signed to an eight year contract for eight million dollars a year. Those two contracts right there are what you want to build around. And the truth is, is that going and throwing out another, let's just say in this case, an eight and a half million dollar contract to a player like Pierre Luc Dubois. Don't get me wrong, you're bringing in a, an unreal talent, but is it worth it in the long run when you're trying to build a Stanley Cup contending team and you need to add to your third line and to your fourth line and to your third pairing and even to your second line and your second pairing and your third pair? It's just, there's just too many holes to fill once you have three guys locked up on an AEV of $8 million a year about. It just, it just doesn't make much sense considering what the Montreal Canadiens are moving towards. So with that being said, I think... Montreal, you know, they were they were entertaining the offer, but I think that they did the right thing by not over by not overpaying for a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois from an AEV standpoint, but also from an asset standpoint. They stayed put, and they're going to look to build through the draft now, and they're going to look through to, uh, to build through trades and and let's call them reclamation projects. So it's an exciting for Montreal. It's exciting for LA too. Winnipeg is heading in a weird direction, but I think that they got. I, what do you think of their compensation side? Uh, from Winnipeg standpoint, yeah, I think Velarde is a is a good goal scorer, and his uh, advanced statistics are very good. So I think he's a good player to build upon. And uh, follow is a pretty good depth piece, but you know it's hard to see what direction the Jets are going in right now. I don't know if they're going to begin a rebuild. I don't know if they're going to try and retool. So we'll see what happens with those guys. I don't really want to get into all the drama with Shifley and Hellebuck, but yeah, you know the story around that. So. Yeah, that, that's about it. I, I think they did okay, though. Considering they had no leverage, right? Yeah, exactly. So we'll keep it at that. Some Those are our quick initial thoughts on the two the two big trades from the NHL today. Want to mention the, the one more former Hab who got traded? Sure, go ahead. Tyler Toffoli traded to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for um, uh, Igor Sharangovich and a third-round pick, so... Yeah, just throwing that one out there. So Sharon Govich is an RFA, so they traded his rights. Toffoli is going to slot into a slot onto a team that has a lot of firepower at this point in time. He doesn't necessarily fit their mold in terms of what they're trying to build. And not that he's not skilled enough, but that's a very, very quick team you're building in New Jersey. And Toffoli is not known to be an, un, an unbelievable skater. But he's going to offer threats elsewhere, right? Whether it's on the power play with his shot For sure. or whether it's just with his hockey IQ in general and his, and his leadership presence. Yeah. So I think that that was a, a move that benefits both sides. And I think, you know, the Sharon Govich part is also a little bit underrated because we have to, we have to remember that Cal- Calgary held a lot of leverage in that trade considering Toffoli said that he wanted out. So to be able to bring in a guy like Sharon Govich who's still young, who had a couple good seasons under his belt, still has a little bit, still has a lot to prove, I guess, and is still young. So to be able to bring that back in terms of compensation for a guy like Tyler Toffoli, it was good on um, on on Calgary's part. Yeah, yeah. You just said Calgary had the leverage, but it was the, the opposite. New Jersey had all right. Well, leverage. New Jersey had the leverage. Calgary had no leverage yes, whatsoever. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so it was uh, that that was interesting. It's been a big day. I think tomorrow. Well, this will get posted tonight. But this is. I think tomorrow is going to shape up for a for an insane day in the NHL. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Debrinket may be on the move. Where do, where does he go? Where does he go? Does he go to? Fit, uh, sounds like Detroit. It right sounds now, like Detroit right now. Yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I think it's going to be a crazy day. Lots of moves. 
I'm sure there's going to be some surprises, and uh, I think uh, my mock is shaping up for a couple surprises too. So you want so to get into mine. that? I don't, and we don't know our mocks right now. No, nope. I don't think. No. Nope. So let's get right into it. We're at the about the 10 minute mark here. Let's see what we can do in terms of rapid fire mock 2.0. I'll let you lead things off. And again, we're not going to go into depth on every single player because we already did that last time. But it's more just why we made our changes, what changes from last episode or two episodes ago, excuse me. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So I'll let you take the reins first and uh, go ahead. Number one, no surprise again, Connor Bedard going to Chicago. Generational player. Amazing stats this season. Don't need to go into it. Everybody knows he's going number one. And I'm assuming he's going number one for you too. Let's do it. I'm not even going to say anything more other than Connor Bedard number one to Chicago. Yeah. On to you for number two. Number two, there was a little bit of debate in my mind. I think that they're at, and, and it's funny because from two episodes ago, there was no debate. There was no debate. I think teams are opening up to the Matt V. Mitchkov train, but I will stay put with my take on Adam Fantilli. I think Anaheim is going to play it, and I'll, as funny as this sounds, I think that they're going to play it conservative. I think they're going to take the guy that they've you know had all along, and they're going to go Adam Fantilli at number two. I like that. I've also heard rumblings about Leo Carlson at number two, and that was kind of changing my mind a little bit, more so than Michkov. But I'm staying put. I agree they're going to play conservative here. That's just how the Ducks kind of are. So Adam Fantelli, number two, unreal season. He's going to be amazing. And number three? Number three, I'm staying with Leo Carlson. There are so many rumblings that Columbus likes Will Smith. Maybe Mitchkov slides in there, but once again, Columbus does not have a center, has never had a center, and this is their time to pick one. A big six foot three Swedish center. Once again, amazing stats, and I think he uh, he can really be a, a threat in the NHL. So this is where things change for me. Oh, here we go. You've mentioned it briefly before. And Yarmo Kekalainen made it very, very clear that he that they were going to try and draft a generational talent at the center position. Now that leaves that doesn't leave a lot to be to be determined other than the fact that it won't be Matt Vemichkov. And I think I'm not, I won't say that we can't we can guarantee that, but I think that we can make a, it's a, it's a fair assumption at this For point. For sure. But I think that they're going. I I think that the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to go the Will Smith route here. Okay. So from my last mock, Will Smith ended up at four to San Jose. Now he's at three to Columbus. I think. I think what Columbus likes about Will Smith. And again, this might, be, this might be complete speculation here, but I think they like his creativity. I think they like what he can bring to the table and complement whether it's a guy like Ken Johnson or whether it's a guy like Cole Sillinger. Johnny Goudreau. A guy like Johnny Goudreau. But I think that he fits, a, he fits more the mold of where, the, where they're trying to head, it, which direction they're trying to go in go into for this franchise. So I think it's an absolute toss up. I think if Leo Carlson gets drafted at three, I think if Will Smith gets drafted at three, I think if, if again, I know they said they didn't want to draft a wing, but if they go Mitchkov at three, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. But I think based on what we've been hearing and based off the fact that also San Jose is really likes Will Smith as well. 
I think that Columbus is going to shoot their shot and take Will Smith at number three. I like it. I like it. All right, number four, on to you again. At number four, I take Leo Carlson. Now, that's just a flip-flop right there. I think Leo Carlson, I think it's going to be one of those situations where the Sharks are, ha- are content with the, let's call it, and this is major air quotes here, best player available. And I mean best player available on, based on the public view, based on taking into account every player's situation. Because we can both agree that Matt Vemishkov is probably the second best player in this draft. But based on the rankings and based on speculation, Leo Carlson is still atop of many people's lists. So I think that that flip-flop right there is kind of just one of those situations where Leo Carlson might just fall into the Sharks' lap. And look, the Sharks are far from set down the middle. They have Logan Couture. They have Thomas Hurdle. But the line draws about there. They don't have much much else going for them. And I think that they would be more than happy to solidify that center core and bring in another big Swede after going out and getting William Eklund last year. I don't think that they'll be too, too upset to bring in another guy from the Swedish league. So Leo Carlson at number four. All right, here's where my first change comes from my previous mock. And I got Will Smith going here. So just the opposite of you. And uh, yeah, I mean, you covered most of it all. Will Smith, he's got all the the tools in his toolbox to be a, an amazing player in the NHL. And San Jose is going to get that at number four. And here we go. Montreal at number five. Big change here from my mock last time. I'm actually going with the pick you had last time. So number five, Montreal selects Ryan Leonard. And I think he's gained a lot of traction recently. And I wasn't too big on him before, but with all these comparisons to Kachuk and play style like Konechny, it just seems like he's going to fit right in. But I'm going to say one thing. I think Ken Hughes is really going to try to move this pick just because he doesn't want the decision to take Mitchkov. I think he wants to take a defenseman. I'm not going to say who yet, but I truly think he's going to do all he can to move down in the draft. Just a few picks. But if he doesn't move, if he doesn't trade picks, I think the Habs select Ryan Leonard. And sorry, just to just to correct myself on the last thing I said, uh, Willie Mecklen was drafted in 2021, not last year. So, just you know, just for the for my sake and to not get roasted. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's really interesting because that's the mock that I had last time, picks one through five. I think it's. I'm not going to call it a safe route, but I think that because Ryan Leonard at five is definitely far from a guarantee. But I think based off of what we know and what we know might be nothing at all, or it might, you know, whatever we see on social media and Twitter and so on and so forth could just all be smoke screens, right? But let's just call it based on what we know. Montreal Canadiens are very fond of a guy like Ryan Leonard, fond of, a, of his play style. And I think that, like you said, I think they're very hesitant to make a move that may seem risky. And taking Matvey Mitchkov might not be the desired, the desired pick at number five for the Montreal Canadiens. So they might lean a different route. And I understand, you know, let, let's talk about this for a second because we are talking about the Montreal Canadiens. I can absolutely see a world where the Montreal Canadiens 
make a move on draft night with a team like the Washington Capitals, where they make a move with a team like the Philadelphia Flyers at seven. Because they either take their guy at five and they take the best player available, or they move back to pick the guy they want while knowing that he wouldn't be picked at five to begin with by any other team. And whether that's Reinbacher, whether that's Leonard, or whether that's even Benson for that matter, and nothing against these players except for the fact that he's, they're, they're not the best player available. So if they can make a move with a couple of these teams to move back and, and acquire that pick and, and more to take their guy, then by all means... Do you see that as a possibility tomorrow night? 100%. I, I, I definitely see it happening. I think there's a million possibilities that can happen, but that's definitely one. And uh, yeah, who do you have a five for Montreal then? Two, two, because Matvey Mitchkov is coming to Montreal. <laughs> there we go. That's what I wanted to hear. I, someone had to say it. I. And again, a lot of people might be thinking, well, you, you know, you were not against it, but you thought that there was absolutely no, no chance two weeks back. And you're right. I thought there was absolutely no chance two weeks back. But let's not forget that today, there a lot of things changed. And I'm not going to say that it's fully dependent on what happened today. But the Montreal Canadiens clearly feel really, really comfortable down the middle right now. Suzuki. And again, this is all... There, a lot of these players are versatile and can move wherever. But Suzuki... Kirby Doc, Alex Newhook, Christian Dvorak, Sean Monahan, Jake Evans. These are all centermen. And again, like we said, Mon- uh, Monahan, excuse me, Newhook can move to the wing, Doc can move to the wing. Now you have less complications. But the truth is, is that in my mock right now, there's no there's no need for Montreal to go out and get a guy that can really hold down the middle when they're already in a good spot. And the, that's, the, that's one of the biggest reasons why in my, in my first four teams, all those guys are four centermen. So now they're left in a position to take a winger. And the best winger available by far, by far is Matvey Mitchkov. Now again, if they want to go the safe route, and I guess this, can, this will be my bold prediction, if they want to go the safe route, if they're going to take a guy like, like I said, Reinbacher, Leonard, Benson, it won't be at number five by the Montreal Canadiens. It won't. I think the Montreal Canadiens are go big or go home. If Matt V. Mitchkov is available at five, he's being taken by the Montreal Canadiens at five. If Matt V. Mitchkov is not available at five, I can see the Montreal Canadiens moving off of that pick in a heartbeat. Now, again, this is all speculation. This is all for fun. But let's say they stay put. Let's make that assumption. I, I see them taking Matt Vimichkov at five. I love to hear that. He's meeting in Montreal. Or I think he met today with... He met with the brass. With Okay, yes. And then tomorrow he's having breakfast or something with Jeff Gordon. Interesting. That's something I heard. But yeah, Matt Vimichkov would be insane to have here. And I, I, I wouldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier to have him. And just to kind of talk about the, the potential for a trade. You know, let's not forget that Philly is in a full rebuild, rebuild mode. And they're making that very, very, very clear. What stops them from moving off their seventh overall pick? 
And in addition to that seventh overall pick, sending over the 22nd overall pick, which was acquired by, uh, which was acquired from the Kings and was sent over to Philly in a trade for fifth overall. So there's a lot of possibilities there for the Montreal Canadiens to move back in the draft if they wanted to select someone else. So if, the, if, if by the time their pick is in, I can promise you, and this is my bold statement, I can promise you that it will be no, none other than Matt Vemichkov if he's available. Love to hear that. I, I, think, I think that's a very... I don't, I don't think it's a bold take, but I think uh, it, it would be somewhat of a surprise because it's, uh, it's just not expected, I feel like. So, Matt Vemichkov, number five to you. Should we move on to number six? Let's do it. Is it on you? Uh, no, it's on you. I wanted, I wanted to take a similar route as you last time and maybe go with Reinbacher here to a team that's in desperate need of a defenseman. But I think we stay on the train of, of still taking the forwards and still you know taking the best player available, if you will. And I think that the Coyotes would go, would go with a guy like Zach Benson. Now, we talked a lot about him last time. High motor, great playmaking, had a great season in the WHL, and is only looking up from here. A little bit undersized, which is somewhat of a knock on him. But again, at this day, in this day and age, we don't we don't tend to attribute too much value to that. But I think that again, we're going to talk because last time I talked about how um, Arizona would take Matt Vemichkov and how they'd get their guy. And I think as much as I. You know, not even close. I don't. I don't even like Benson as much as I do Mitchkov. But I think they're still going with their guy at forward. I think they're still going with the best player available at forward, and they select Zach Benson with a six overall pick. Yeah, and another change from my previous mock. I had David Reinbacker going to Arizona, and I also have Zach Benson going number six to Arizona. He's a uh, immensely skilled, amazing vision. Pretty good skater, I'm pretty sure. And uh, yeah, that, that about sums it up. I think Arizona's going to get there forward and uh, move on to Philadelphia at number seven here. So in the past week, Danny Briere has pretty much blown up this team. There's been so many trade speculations and trades that have gone through like Kevin Hayes. There was also the trade that got vetoed with Tony D'Angelo to Carolina. Um, there is, uh, the trade with Travis Sanheim that didn't end up going through because of Tory Krug. So needless to say, Danny Briere is commencing the full rebuild and I'm going David Reinbacker here. They're going to get their big right defenseman and that's just what I see happening. They've got some good forwards. And little to no defense other than Cam York, I guess. So David Reinbacker, number seven to Philly. I like that move. I think it's a little bit out of Philly's comfort zone, to say the least, considering that, you know, who knows where they're at right now. They're in a position to take best player available. Now, is that David Reinbacker for them? Who knows? Every scout and every GM brass has their own views on skaters across the world across the globe but i definitely i could definitely see that for number se- for number seven i'm kind of following uh following in your footsteps here from from previously and going with ryan leonard at number seven i think again you said it perfectly last time he fits their mold 
And look, to be honest, if last time I hadn't mocked Ryan Leonard to Montreal, it would have been to Philly. So I think that it makes the most sense for a team that's trying to rebuild and move in a direction where they're able to add some building blocks to this team. And I think that there's nowhere better than to start with a guy like Ryan Leonard who really knows how to play the game of hockey properly. And it's, and it's difficult when you see so many talented players on the board, you know, ranging from a guy like Connor Bedard to a guy like Matt Vemichkov and Fantilli and Leo Carlson and Will Smith and, and basically that whole top five. But you're taking a different route by taking a player who is not, I guess you can say, the conventional player in this league, but can really, but can really be one of the leaders on this team in the near future. So I'm going with Zach Benson at number seven. You mean Ryan Leonard? Ryan Leonard, yeah. not Zach Benson, Ryan Leonard. Thank you. I still like that pick for Philly. I think he fits that Philly mold of gritty players. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's very possible that he goes to Philly. So number eight, Washington Capitals on you. We're back to the Capitals. And again, I feel like this pick has you know, sparked some conversation considering the Capitals are in a very, very weird spot because they're picking eighth in a draft that's very, you know, star-studded and filled with a lot of top-end talent. But they're also not in a position to rebuild. They're in a a very middle-of-the-pack situation where they don't know which way they're going. And and it's very dependent on how, you know, they're they're taking this season by season at this point until until Ovi retires. But... Last time I had Oliver Moore going to the Capitals, and I think that he would still be a great complement to this team. But I'm going to take a different route here and flip-flop my 8 and 9. Or not flip-flop, but I'm going to take my 9 pick and put it in my, in my 8 spot. And I'm going to take Dalibor Dvorsky going to the Washington Capitals. Now, I think this fits the European mold that the Washington Capitals have always built around. You're looking at a center at the back end of... Um, at the you know around the at the eighth overall pick, which is still which is still a l- tremendous value there, I think that he brings some st- stability to that to that you know that middle uh, sorry down the middle excuse me. Um, Backstrom is injury ridden. Kuznetsov you know didn't have his best season last season and has transitioned between playing center and wings, so there hasn't been much stability there. I think they want to bring in a guy that can really complement that that top six. And it might not be a guy that's necessarily going to slot into you know twenty minutes a night and and playing you know uh, centering Ovechkin on a on a night in a night out basis, but I think it's a guy that's going to really be able to cement his spot in that top six going forward for a team that doesn't really know exactly where they're going at this point. So I'm going to go with Dalibor Dvorsky at number eight to the Washington Capitals. Yeah. So I had him last time at number eight. No. The only difference between my mock and your mock from last time right now is the flip flop between Smith and Carlson, correct? I believe so, and I think the only difference between mine is Benson to Arizona. And the truth is, is that there's no need for like we believe in what we believe. It's more just it. We we wanted to do this solely to see what kind of changes we would make, if any. And I think it's funny because looking at my mock right now from last time, of course I went with a little bit of an outside of the box approach, but it doesn't change the fact that I had Matt Vemichkov going sixth overall to Arizona. And Ryan Leonard fifth overall to Montreal, and now I have Matt Vemichkov at number five to Montreal, 
and Ryan Leonard at number seven to Philly. So there's yeah. a lot of movement and it's a lot of different opinions and it's it, it's cool. It's interesting there, to see. Yeah, there's definitely no right answer. And then again, it's only been two weeks, so not much can change. But it, it's crazy to see that there are a select few that can change. So exactly. Washington Capitals, number eight for me. I know everyone's been waiting for this. Matt Vay-Michkov slides down four spots from my previous mock draft, going to Washington and committing to playing next season with the team and trying to push for the playoffs with Ovi in his final few seasons. So you can call that a surprise. You can call that unrealistic. But I think this is a potential opportunity for Washington to really get the best player or maybe tied for the best player in the future at pick number eight out of this draft. And, you know, it seems like Mitchkov and Ovi do communicate. So I really would not be surprised to see him. I don't know what the right word is here, but leave the KHL and not live up to that three-year KHL contract and play in the NHL. So I've got Matt Vay Mitchkov coming over to the NHL for next season, going at number eight. I think if if the Capitals are lucky enough to snag Mitchkov at number eight, you take it and run. Because you essentially have your replacement for Alex Ovechkin when he's gone. Exactly. Now that's easy that's easy to say and it might be crazy to say, but the truth is that coming out of the draft, I don't think there's any other player that compares in terms of goal scoring ability. Maybe other than Bedard and 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 um, and Connor McDavid, excuse me, in terms of goal scoring ability, but this is this is as pure as a goal scorer it gets from Russia. So you have your replacement, and you get an, you know, like we said, probably the second most talented player in the draft at number eight. If the Washington Capitals are lucky enough to to get that, you take it and run. Hundred percent. All right, number nine. To the Detroit Red Wings, I've got Dalibor Dvorsky. So last time, I believe I had Zach Benson. Could be wrong, but I believe I had Zach Benson. And this time around, I'm going the center route with Dalibor Dvorsky. I think Steve Steve Eisman likes his Europeans. He's uh, six foot one, Dalibor Dvorsky. So you know he's got that good size for the center position. I think it makes sense for Detroit in their current state and. I just think it's a smart pick to go with him. I think he's shown uh, shades of NHL readiness, maybe not next season, but definitely the season after. So, yeah, Detroit selecting Dalibor Dvorsky with their first-round pick. I'm going to see the course here because the truth is is that if there's one thing that hasn't changed about this mock, and I'm going to kind of jump the gun here, but about my mock, is that I really liked David Reinbacher to St. Louis at number 10. So I'm going to keep that the course, and I'm going to kind of spoil my pick right now. So I'm going to I'm going to take David Reinbacher at 10 to St. Louis. I really like the fit. I really like the fact that they need a defenseman. I really like the fact that their brass and their management team and their development team has always been very, very good with developing defensemen, and I think that that's something that will continue once they draft a guy like David Reinbacher who has pure skill and a lot of raw tools. But now just to give just to give my ninth pick, just kind of as that last spot, I'm gonna stay the course again and go Oliver Moore here. I know we not not a disagreement, but I think we don't see eye to eye necessarily on Oliver Moore. And I think that he's one guy that will that will come out of this draft and and 
impress early on in his tenure with whatever team he's with. And I think that falling with a team like like um, Detroit will really cater to his um, his straight line speed and his ability to make plays off the rush. And I think that that complements itself with a speedy guy like Dylan Larkin and a nice, you know, shooting playmaker in, in Lucas Raymond on a power play with a guy like Moritz Sider as well and a bunch of other complementary players. So I think from last time, right, I had Oliver Moore going to the Capitals and Dvorsky, uh, and Dvorsky to the Red Wings. We kind of flip, I flip flop that in this yeah. case. Um, and I think that it's, it's a great fit no matter what. So that, those are my nine and 10 picks there. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I think Oliver Moore is an insane player. And actually, about a week ago, I guess I was doing the Mach 2.0 then, but I actually think I had Oliver Moore going to Detroit. I like him. He's fast. Seems like a great player. I don't know too much about him, but yeah, I changed that to Dvorsky. And then for number 10, I was thinking again Oliver Moore, but I've changed my mind, and I'm sticking with what I had last draft with Axel Sandin Pelika. I think recently with the Tory Krug news that they kind of want him out. They need that offensive defenseman that they can develop. And Sandin Pelika just has that, that, that upside and potential to be a very great offensive threat on a power play and overall on a decor that doesn't get too many points. So, yeah, quarterbacking that first power play for the future, going to St. Louis, um, Axel Sandin Pelika. And just to wrap it up here, we're hitting about this 37-minute mark, so we're, st- we're, we're making some good time. Just off the, off the top of your head, I don't know if there's anyone in particular. Is there one guy from this draft that um, might not be in your mock top 10, but you're excited to see where he lands because of you know maybe some hype or because he has raw tools that you saw at the World Juniors or maybe just on highlights or film or whatever? Is there anyone in particular that you're interested in seeing? Yeah, so... A lot of rumblings about Dmitry Simishev, mm-hmm. I believe. Correct. He was in the well. He didn't play in the World Juniors he's fr- because he's from he's from Russia. From Russia, but yeah, a lot of advanced statistic websites have him uh, very highly touted. But seems like he's going to fall later in the first round. So I'm excited to see where he goes. Along with Tom Willander, mm-hmm. the Swedish defenseman, I've seen mocks that have him as the highest picked defenseman. And it seems like he has a lot of potential. So, yeah, those are just two guys. As well as, um, you know, the other guys like Andrew Cristal and... I was just about to say. Yeah, Cristal, um, what's his name? Um, Barlow and Braden Yeager. Those are my I'm, two guys. I'm really interested about Tom Willander. And I don't know much about him, so I'm not going to speak about him. But he shot up in draft rankings yeah. in, in the last week or two. So clearly, scouts and you know professionals see a lot in this guy, and I'm not going to say anything until I'm proven wrong. It's just really interesting to me. I think that you know that type of jump in rankings could could be could be a red flag almost um, for some players. But again, who knows? He he could he could live up to his hype in these last two weeks. But yeah, kind of like you mentioned, there was a couple guys. Andrew Cristal, absurdly talented, absurdly talented. I think it's going to really depend on team fit, but I think you know what you're getting with a guy like him, a guy who's not necessarily around the, uh, is not great defensively, but absolutely might be one of the better offensive talents in this draft. So I think he's someone to look, to look towards. And then there's guys like Quint, Quinn and Musty, who apparently have goal scoring abilities like no other, which is really interesting. And again, I don't know much about these guys at, at the back end of the first round, but I think that there's always a steal or two that you can always count on and go back and say, well, how do these guys not get picked 
10 picks or 15 picks before. So it's interesting to, to look at that now, but we're about at the 40 minute mark here. It's been very fun to rapid fire mock 2.0. And just to let you guys know, I think we're going to come back at the end of the week with a draft debrief and any possible trade debrief. Um, So that's why we kept this one a little bit short so we can throw out another one for you guys. But we really appreciate you guys tuning in. It was a lot of fun. And we'll catch you guys next time. Pray for Mitchkov at number five. Pray for Mitchkov. Take care, guys.